Today you'll meet Diane, a homeschooling mom, Mike, an Air Force pilot dad, and their three daughters. The youngest, Daly, joined the family through an international adoption after a year of planning and preparation. The family was told that Daly was physically teeny tiny at almost three years old. However, one bit of critical information was withheld by the agency. Daly had never eaten solid food. We'll hear how the family is holding up, learn about Diane's tall puppy syndrome, and wrap up with a new modern definition of what therapists have long called doorknob confessions. And finally, of course, a new untranslatable word. First, a disclaimer. What you are about to listen to is not a professional counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation, and the advice I offer does not constitute psychological treatment or serve as a substitute for professional diagnosis, intervention, or behavioral health care. In order to protect their privacy, our guests have been given pseudonyms and some personal details have been changed. If you have concerns about your child's well-being or your own, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. Good places to start? Your child's pediatrician, the counseling staff at your child's school, and the American Psychological Association's Comprehensive Guide to Finding Resources in Your State. And now, on to the fun. So welcome to my closet, and I'm very happy to meet both of you today. We have Diane, who is a homeschooling mom, correct me if any of this is not accurate, of Elizabeth, who is nine, Virginia is six, and Daly is four. And Mm -hmm. we have Mike. You are a pilot. Are you a private pilot in the military? Military. Military. Okay. Are you in the Air Force? I am. So tell me what I can help you with today. Well, so our youngest daughter has been a part of our family for two years. She was adopted internationally. And we feel like we we parent her disproportionately to our other two. I mean, she has more needs. And so she ends up needing more attention a lot of the time. But we feel like some of the things that we should have the most patience with with her are the hardest things to be patient about. So what was her living experience until age two when she got to you? She was in an orphanage. She was abandoned as an infant and was taken shortly thereafter to the orphanage where she lived for two years. And how long did you know about her existence and that she was going to be part of your family before she actually came through the front door? A year. A year. Uh, How much did Elizabeth and Virginia talk about this new little sister coming from another country? Daily. Daily. Which is really where her name came from. Oh, that's so adorable. Yeah. We prayed for her and thought about Mm -hmm. her every day while we waited to bring her home. I want to compare this experience to adopting a puppy because when you know you're going to get the puppy, but before the puppy arrives, there's so much fantasy and wonder and delight, lots of conversations about the name, and then the puppy arrives. And all of parenting is a little bit like dog training, but here you have, and Diane, you expressed it so beautifully. You said, I feel like we give her a disproportionate amount of attention, and yet her needs are different because her experience was different. Were you given any training by the organization you adopted her from, by anyone, about integrating a child with this kind of experience into an existing family in the United States? I will say I go back and re-reference it a lot 
it was it was 10 hours worth of training, but we have gone back and redone that several times over at this point. Is there a human available to you to consult with about this? There is. Any value? In the beginning, I felt like it was very valuable. We haven't reached out to her as much lately because it feels like the further out we get from it, I feel like the more independent I should be. I don't know. It's almost like like a guilty feeling. Like I don't I wanna hear this. So <laughs> like we're overparenting her. We give her a disproportionate amount of attention. She doesn't stay on task, which might just it feels so military in the good sense. Like we have these tasks and we accomplish the task because we are a disciplined force. Sure. Let's talk about what the specific things are. For example, anything that's already happened today or happened yesterday that <laughs> illustrates this. So a big thing, and Mike, he's usually the dinnertime dad. I want to hear the specific choreography. So, Mike, what time do you come through the front door? It ranges, but generally between five and six. And have the two of you been texting back and forth about the latest issue or eruption or frustration? For sure. So Frequently. Gi give me an example, just a little flashbulb of the content of those texts. And do they have any humor in them? Are they desperate? <laughs> and do they have emojis? A lot of emojis. Which ones? The one with like, where you look exploding like you're going head. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Explode, exploding head. Um, uh -huh. The one where it looks like you're going crazy. Yeah. So this morning, I really want to get right back to this morning, but I just want to stop for a moment sure. at exploding head and going crazy because we're going to come back to it to see if it's true. And if it's true, and I can see looking at you just a good natured person and you have a lovely smile, I'm eager to know how tense and how scary this situation's getting or how under control. So now let's go back to the example. For example, this morning. So this morning, mealtimes are frequently a battle. She just won't eat whatever's on her plate. I mean, and there's, there's a lot of layers to this. When she first came home, she was not eating solid food, even though she was almost three years old. And so we spent the first several months in feeding therapies and getting her where she, she wanted. And we, we treated her very much like an infant. We just let her be in that state until she was ready to eat real food. But she is also teeny, 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 tiny. And we are seeing several other specialists because she's not growing. And so there's some tension there with wanting her to eat because we want her to be healthy. And you want her to stay alive. Yeah. Diane, how are you sleeping? A lot better than I used to, actually. I've been seeing a therapist for about six months. Great. Great. We, we need a team here. We need a pretty abundant <laughs> team. This is serious business. And I know that we're going to get to the pleasures in it as well. How much are Elizabeth and Virginia, how much do they know about Daly's eating issues, feeding issues, health, on some levels, failure to thrive at the level you would hope right now? I wouldn't say we hide anything from them. You know, I'd say it's pretty open, you know, family knowledge. And we're almost always at the table together. We eat almost all of our meals at the table together. And so they're around for it. They came with us when we went to the country to pick her up and they they saw that experience firsthand. We we didn't wow. know wow. she wasn't eating solid food when we went to meet her. That was not disclosed to us. Well, and so it was a surprise. <laughs> and so there was like grocery store shopping and baby shopping in a foreign country and it was a, a whirlwind kind of trip that was pretty pretty stressful. <laughs> Dan, is your mother living and living near you? They live about a half a day's drive away. And so we see them fairly regularly. I'm wondering about your support system beyond the immediate family. Your mom, a sister, now you have a therapist. This is very hard work you're doing. Daily, she started therapies within two months of coming home. 
And so she was going to OT and PT and speech slash feeding therapies twice a week at the beginning. And she actually, she, within this month, she has graduated from all three of those. Wow. And I think this is where some of the guilt comes into play because we feel like she is an amazing kid. I mean, she's done so much. Uh, Could we call that you are doing an amazing job? (laughs) Do you frame it that way? I don't. (laughs) You did not know that this child was not eating solid food. You didn't know what the project was fully defined. You didn't know the strain on the family budget of all of this care and intervention. And she is progressing. So I'm curious about the guilt because it does become a mom reflex for all of us. So tell me these milestones she is now finished with their intensive intervention therapies. Mm-hmm. And she still sees a behavioral therapist twice a month. Mm-hmm. Um, Daly also goes to a half-day preschool. Uh, she started that this year. Ah, uh, please, uh, how is she doing in that preschool? What are they saying about her? Do, are they on the verge of throwing her out every single day? Or do they say she really brings fresh new view of life to all of us, and we're so glad to have her as part of our assembly. <laughs> you know, it was it was an adjustment. I would say there's a little bit of a honeymoon period. Oh, just like with the puppies. Just like when you adopt a puppy, their behavior is unbelievable initially, and then they show you all their issues. She latched on to another child in her, her oh. class. Uh-huh. They seemed to kind of feed off each other and started having a lot of reports coming home that she was uh, spending time in their thinking spot. <laughs> and, and having to go see the preschool director increasingly often. So so kind of hit a bit of a valley there. Uh, we were strongly considering pulling her out. Okay, so Mike, in the morning when it was time for her to go, what was Daly's attitude towards leaving home and going to preschool? And how is she when she comes home? Does she like it? Yeah, I mean, she, she looks forward to it. She always asks Great. about it. She craves a schedule, and she always asks if she's oh. going to school today. You know, is, is today a school morning? So she definitely looks forward to it. Yeah, she likes to know everybody's routine. I mean, she rates yeah, of course. her day by the routine. So I want to stick with preschool for a moment. This is cause for jubilation that this child, given her history— and the support and love and structure and firmness and attention to task that you have been able to provide to her has led her to look at leaving you, so that's a separation issue again, and going to preschool as a very welcome part of her day. I would like to keep her attention traction to this other child and the trouble they get into together and the challenge she's presenting to the preschool, I would like to leave that as their problem. All right. Yeah. She gets services through mm-hmm. them as well. Good. And so I constantly have to, well, not con- I have felt like I'm constantly having to advocate for her. Because otherwise, what will happen? I guess because it makes me upset when I feel like they're treating her in a way that I feel is unfair, knowing her background. Diane, do you always make the call or send the email to the school? Yeah. What would happen if Mike did it? I don't know. Now the eyebrows moved over to Mike. (laughs) (laughs) This is our chemistry. I am the HBIC sort of thing, like I, I get the thing done. Tell everyone what that stands for. (laughs) <laughs> the head bitch in charge. <laughs> and Mike is our our steady rock, our provider. He literally and figuratively le- brings home the bacon. He does. He flies in the sky and comes home with bacon. <laughs> and I want to link this back to the exploding head and the going crazy emojis because I don't hear overparenting, but I may hear overfunctioning. And Diane, you have this chemistry where you're quite ambitious, very good-hearted, and taking on tasks that you might be able to either spread out or take 
off your to-do list. Sometimes schools get a little mom deaf because they're just hearing so much advocacy for every individual child from the mom. And a simple, straightforward, very calm call from dad can shake up that chemistry a little bit. And we want to be very respectful and deferential to the school. At the same time, it is incredibly educational for the other kids. It shakes them out of their little bubbles. This is a whole new kind of friend to have in the class and to adjust to. And Daly enjoys it very much. She loves it. (laughs) What does she say about what she loves about it? She loves to learn. She's a sponge. We've joked frequently that she's going to read before our middle daughter, who is a year and a half older than her, (laughs) because she just, A, Virginia doesn't care care about her letters like she could care less. And Daly loves it so much. So the fascinating thing about a non-biological child is that they come wired in all kinds of different and fascinating ways. This may be your family intellectual. She's super black and white. Mm -hmm. Everything needs to have its form and function. And our oldest, I would say, is fairly intellectual as well. And our middle is our our free thinker, (laughs) the artist of the bunch. How great for everybody to be reminded of all three of these things by these three creatures and what they bring to you. Very often when there's a special needs child in a family, my concern is with the other children and not at all to neglect Daly's needs, but to also keep a focus on what lights Virginia the artist up, what lights Elizabeth up, because firstborn daughters, they tend to have very high standards for themselves. They want to do everything right. They're very tuned in to mom's mood and the dynamics of the family, and they live in their heads a little bit. The middle one, especially with an artistic temperament, can seem sometimes out of it or a little bit ADD when they aren't necessarily. (laughs) And then the youngest, and I don't know if this is true yet for Daly, is very often the person with a really pleasurable and the asset of a sense of humor. She's learning her sense of humor. Our nine-year-old has gotten really into like puns and riddles. And so we're hearing that a lot. And so we see her, you know, thinking through those and thinking, oh, well, we really, we really laughed at that. Now, how do I make that happen? Um, You can see her wheels turning. She's She's calculating what you need to do to get that response. That's constant. She is in a a constant competitive state of mind for our attention. I would say that's one of the more exhausting things that we deal with. Do you talk to her about that, about the urgency? How do you do it? So like in the instance of once she started being really verbal, she would copy every little thing that anybody said, like, mom, I really like dinner tonight, almost instantly. Mom, I really like dinner tonight. And at first it was great because she was using her words and we were excited and, and it was wonderful. And now because we, we know she has the words and we know it's, it's almost like a automatic reflex now. Yes. That she just does it. And so when she immediately copies something someone says, we will usually just very immediately say, please use your own words. Okay. What I want you to do is ignore it. Do you remember when you were in grade school, there would be a mean kid teasing you and you would say something and they would repeat back exactly what you said in a different kind of voice? It's a very popular form of teasing. Like, uh, good morning, Mike. Good morning, Mike. And to think about what you're doing that's reinforcing negative or irritating or annoying behavior compared to what you're doing that's reinforcing the kind of behavior you want her to exhibit. 
So when she says something original, just catch her being authentic, being original, being sincere, being relaxed. And at those moments, you don't have a parade, you don't fly flags, but you can put an arm around her, pat her on the head, stop what you're doing and look at her at eye level and smile at her. Nothing else. You can put down your phone where you're sending the text to Mike telling him (laughs) how insane the day is. Nurture versus Nurture will be right back. As a pandemic lockdown lifts in the families I work with in my practice, I've seen excitement mixed with inhibition. What do we want to take away from this unprecedented year? What have we learned about ourselves and our relationships? If you're having trouble figuring this out or trouble sleeping or you're struggling with intrusive negative thoughts, BetterHelp is available. BetterHelp offers online professional counselors. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is secure online professional counseling offered by licensed psychotherapists. You fill out a questionnaire and get matched in under 48 hours. Everything you share is confidential. You don't have to travel or sit in a waiting room. And you can change therapists at any time if the match is not right. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And Nurture versus Nurture listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash nurture. Visit betterhelp.com slash nurture and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced BetterHelp professional. What is HelloFresh? With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. You can skip the grocery store, cook with your kids, cook to get away from your kids, save money on takeout and restaurant food and enjoy simple-to-prepare, satisfying meals. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Nurture12 and use code Nurture12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Again, it's HelloFresh.com slash Nurture12 for 12 free meals and free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. I want to make sure we get to Virginia because in this whole situation, the one who could a little bit fade from view and be less colorful than the rest of the cast of characters is Virginia. What lights Virginia up? What is her style? What irritates you about her? What is nearly overwhelmingly thrilling about Virginia. But first, tell me what the teachers in school say about her. So both Virginia and Elizabeth are homeschooled. Do they do any activities outside of homeschool like chorus or choir or theater or gym? Yes. The one thing that has been consistent has been all three do dance. Great. Okay, let's stop there. So I want to know what any of those adults have to say about Virginia. They love her. I'd say anything she has a passion for, she jumps in with both feet. I think she is eager to please as well. I think she seeks approval. Too much or good self-discipline and good manners? I I would say appropriate. Great. Okay. She has a strong sense of justice. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd say overall, she has big emotions on every end of each spectrum. <laughs> okay. She's our most physically affectionate, always wants to cuddle. So she's your love puppy. Yeah. yeah, she wakes up in our bed most mornings. And just so you know the nation a little bit, a lot of the kids are in bed with their parents. I mean, like big kids. During this pandemic, they've sort of found their way to the comfy spot in the nest We have an 11, 12-year-old boys in bed with parents, and it's just everybody's a little jittery, and it feels safe in the pod, in the hibernation. What 
interest do you share with Virginia? Yeah, so I don't know if this is projection, but she wants to be a pilot when she grows up. This is not projection. Yeah. (laughs) I grew up playing soccer. That's her favorite sport to play. As a family, I'd say we all enjoy being outside. You know, we go camping, hiking. She's probably the, the one that wants to go out and jump on the trampoline or ride her bike the most. So she's physical outdoors and well-coordinated? The most out of... The three. most. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the least clumsy. True. <laughs> so the relationship between fathers and daughters, and that Diana, I'm looking right at you and saying this because I know you have some instinct to take everything on and to give yourself all the blame and probably not too much of the credit. But when there is a solid friendship between dads and daughters, the entrance into puberty and beyond is a little bit less agonizing for parents. So if you can keep up the things you do with Virginia that you both enjoy, it gives you both an opportunity for satisfaction because I think sometimes what the movie that your family is watching frequently is called The Daily Show. There's so much detail. There's so much stuff. It's so big. It's so serious. That's why earlier I said life and death. You know, if she's not eating, that becomes one of the fundamental things that causes anxiety. And here we have this girl who loves to jump on a trampoline and wants to be a pilot. Do you take them flying? I have not. We've never been flying, yeah. Yeah, it's something I would like to do. Just kind of one of those things just hasn't happened. I want it on the list of aspirations because it's really hard raising kids, period. You've got some special extra and really exciting and really interesting, but also difficult. And to take advantage of the things that are the special family magic. Diane, what interest do you have that the girls also share that may not be very, very everyday sort of thing? We all enjoy a good art project. Describe. The natural world, almost always, especially the older two, because of homeschooling, we all love to watercolor. Like if we're studying a particular animal, we like to watercolor that together. Okay, so I would just like to say to our listeners, watercolor is really hard. It's (laughs) one of those mediums that look easy and everybody thinks, oh, I could do that. Diane, do you have skill? No. (laughs) They're good. Does she? As an artist? Yes. Yeah. She's got a a nature journal that she likes to draw in. Uh, And yeah, I mean, I think she would say it's just, uh, you know, kind of hobby sketches, but there's some good ones in there. So we have a little chronic modesty going on, Diane, with you. One of the, (laughs) and Mike knows this, one of the biggest things I've been working through in my my personal therapies are this kind of deep ingrained fear of failing. Mm Mm-hmm. That's probably one of the main points that everything gets driven back to is that I'm at some point I'm going to mess it up. And so that's one of the primary things that I've been working through. You know, another thing I'm hearing besides fear of failing, because you've taken on a lot, a person who is really inhibited about failing would not take the chances you take. You're married to a pilot. You adopted <laughs> a child who had been in an orphanage for two years. You are homeschooling three daughters. There's something called tall poppy syndrome, (laughs) where people are afraid of standing out because of their the beauty of the puppy, that you shouldn't be above others. You shouldn't think of yourself as special. You shouldn't have too much pride. Maybe... It feels to you a little bit, Diane, like it's unjust if you would become proud. Does that ring any bells about when you were growing up that you should not be a tall puppy? Yeah. Both my parents were in service careers their entire life. Mm -hmm. My dad's was religious and my mom 
she, I mean, I have jokingly said that she is the SNL church lady. Oh, oh. And in what particular <laughs> way? Which characteristic? <laughs> it's mostly mannerisms. <laughs> but <laughs> my mom just everything has to look right and sound yeah, right. That's right. And even if it's not, it has to appear that way. And there have been multiple choices that I've made as an adult that are kind of an exact opposition of that mm-hmm. because I don't like that. But it's it's also kind of ingrained in my brain at this point. So things needing to look and feel right have to do with what other people will think, partly, church lady style. And the service careers, one interesting thing that happens for kids is they become consciously or unconsciously envious of those being served. So you may have in a very robustly devoted household that looked really good from the outside, felt just to some degree neglected, but guilty about that and a little bit mad. Yeah. And that was not going to be welcome because your mom was so buttoned up So on the surface, really, really good. And she absolutely was doing what she believed was right and the best she could do, for sure. However, little Diane may have been kind of pissed off, and there wasn't too much place to put that. So the way that connects to now is you're going to, in part, do the same things your mom did and yet you want to do it differently, and where does getting angry come in? So do the two of you have some good fights ever or no? You know, I I avoid conflict, so... uh, We have opposite fighting styles. That's a good good combination. (laughs) When you have the same fighting style, either you will never fight or fight all the time. So it's like being bilingual. I love opposite fighting styles. So let's go back to the whole idea of the amount of emotional fuel you have in a specific day and how you're going to spend it. And if you run out before the end of the day or if you find yourself at the end of the day with some reserves. On a bad day, I'm done. More than once, Matt gets home. I am ready to walk out the door and go sit in my car by myself in an empty parking lot somewhere. Okay, so it's five or six o'clock. The Girls have not had dinner yet. Well, (laughs) it is unlikely that dinner has not been made when he gets home. It has not been made. I'll bet it is unlikely. So do you know this 12-step slogan? Have you ever heard it? Halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Mm -hmm. That's when people use up. People are trying to get sober. You Mm -hmm. find themselves using substances when they are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. In your day, Diane, have you been with any adult on a typical day? Um, I'm very extroverted. And so I would say it is unusual to go a whole week without being around other adults. It's not every day, but it's multiple times a week. We have a core group of friends here that we have felt like we have, we've been able to maintain safety with, with COVID. And so our, our kids get to see each other and we get to see other adults. I mean, me more than Mike. Do you get to see other adults without the kids at all? Not often. And I don't know if you can manage it right now, but I want you to have an opportunity to laugh and to laugh with the kids when you're with them and laugh about them when you're not with them. And not in a bitter way, just in, it's like the the reason you know the church lady. I mean, you've watched Saturday Night Live. (laughs) Humor means something to you as a pressure release valve. So now it's five o'clock. And you come in, Mike, and Diane is done. Does she smirk at you? Does she scowl? Does it, what happens? There's usually no malice directed yeah. at me. Because she's very polite. And just very gracious. Um, uh-huh. So usually it's, you know, if we haven't talked over text or whatever throughout the day, it's usually a quick fill-in, you know, if it was a, a rougher-than-usual day about, you know, what's going on. But then, yeah, it's, uh, hey, Diane needs a needs a minute, so I'll hop in here for a little bit, sort of thing. It has a slight flavor of the changing shifts in a hospital. Yeah, 
I would say that's fair, especially so in past places that we have lived, Mike's schedule was a lot more erratic. It's more standard now for the last few years. But when it was more erratic, it was definitely there were for sure two different times. It was either daddy was home or daddy was not home. And we operated very differently within those two times. That transition of dad coming home, it's tricky for lots of families now because if mom is totally out of fuel and dad's been working and there's also adjustment to this environment. So two things I'm hearing that you might be able to put into the formula of the day here is, Diane, some time for you to be on your own. When do you make the nature watercolor sketchbook? When I do it, it's usually on a Saturday and it usually takes several weeks to finish any one thing. So I'll sit down for like 30 minutes at a time and do a little bit here and there. And then I, then it sits for however long until I come back to it. I, I want you to think of that as a worship service. This is really precious time for you because you're having a relationship with your muse. And your muse talks to you about color and form and the flower you're looking at or the water you're gazing on. I don't know if you live anywhere near a river or a stream or any body of water, the changing seasons, and this intimate relationship with beauty and with recreating that beauty in your notebook is as important as any of the other relationships you have with family members. Because this is what fills up the tank for all the hard work that you have to do. And to preserve this and kind of put a fence around it to make sure it happens is part of the family spiritual agenda right now. Does that make sense to you that you could really view it as almost as important as food and water, or certainly as important as how much daily is eating, how many ounces, how many calories, how many spoonfuls, how much liquid? Yeah, it's a hard one. Uh, say why, say why. So Mike and I have talked about this in terms of, it's a very similar to what you just talked about. I go to the gym three mornings a week. And in order for that to happen, it had to be a carved out protected time. Yeah. Or it doesn't happen. <laughs> And there was a mental health aspect that it was filling. For me, I wouldn't say that it fills that creative space that I enjoy, but it is an important function that I need to feel good during a week. And I guess it feels selfish to continue to add things like that. Whoa. Okay. So it actually would be selfish if you didn't. Because you would not be able to do this job that you're doing, which is complicated and rich and beautiful and hard, if you don't take care of what you do with your body that creates all the good neurochemicals, all the good hormones, reduces cortisol. It is a neurochemical formula that. If our bodies are not fed this formula, then we slowly begin to wither or find ourselves in a state of fury. I'm very serious about this because Elizabeth is nine. You're going to have a preteen teenager in your family. And the worst relationship between parents and children is 15-year-old girls and their moms. That's a huge fear for me. Yep. And instead of fearing it, what you can do is start making art. I don't know what you do with your planes, Mike, that is thrilling and exciting and different and jazzy, but making sure you do that and taking care of the vessel that is going to do the service of the carnival ride that is teenagers. It is so much fun, and it's rollicking, and it's scary. And if you just read the 
sort of media angle on teenagers. They're so horrible. They're wonderful, but it's big. Nurture versus Nurture will be right back. The weather is warming up. It's time to get outside and move. And that means we need to be drinking lots of water. Hint is fruit-infused water with no sugar, no diet sweeteners, no calories, and no preservatives. And the lightweight recyclable bottles are easy to throw in your backpack or tuck into your child's lunchbox. Hint is water with a touch of true fruit flavor. You can find Hint water at retail stores across the United States or have it delivered directly to your door. Go to hintwater.com and get a free case. That's 12 16-ounce bottles when you buy two cases of Hint water. Shipping is free. Just enter the code NURTURE at checkout. This is a limited offer, so go to hintwater.com for a free case and free shipping today. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. The part I like best are the meditations designed for children. Their message, we teach kids to look after their bodies. Why not teach them to look after their minds as well? The parents I work with during these topsy-turvy times feel exhausted and confused. How to make good decisions about their children's schooling, screen time, bedtime. There is so much mental chatter. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can help bring clarity to your thoughts, reduce stress, help you fall asleep and stay asleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash nurture. That's headspace.com slash nurture for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. Head to headspace.com slash nurture today. I have joked with her quite a bit that there's no choice. We have to be best friends when she's 15. There's no possibility, none whatsoever, (laughs) zero, which is why I want you to have a couple of other best friends, starting with your creative muse. And then maybe second one is Mike. And third one might be Virginia at that moment because they step right in. When the big one turns kind of, what was the wonderful phrase you used before that? I didn't even know that little acronym about bitches. Oh, HBIC. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So once that happens, suddenly the middle one or the youngest one will be beaming up at you with tremendous empathy. Oh, mom, so sorry you're having to go through this with her. <laughs> and all of this is sibling rivalry. They're supposed to do this. It's very healthy. But as you get ready, it's training. You're in training now. And it's serious, and you're going to be entering an exciting phase. And that's the way to look at it. It's a television show you wouldn't have known. It's a series somebody recommended to you, and you think, oh, that's not my type of show. And then there you are watching it. She carves out her own time with us at the end of the day. How? She's always been a night owl. And does not uh, want to go to bed. And the little ones still go to bed at a very specific bedtime. And so I think it started with she would just make herself a cup of tea and we would be done putting the little sponge. She would just be sitting there on the couch with a cup of tea. Oh, that's so great. So great. (laughs) Tea time, mom and dad. And did she want to talk or watch something with you or show you something? Yeah, she usually wants to watch a show that is uh, more mature than what her little sisters want to watch. Okay, one of the reasons this is so valuable is that then the three of you have a posse. It's the characters on the show that you can talk to each other about. This is really helpful with teenagers because they're very defensive, but also eager to share, but they're afraid you're going to judge them because they're so insecure. So if you can gossip about the characters on the show and speculate about them, you're not speaking ill of real people. 
Um, is there a particular show that the three of you are watching now? Yeah, she's into animals. So, you know, there's a couple different ones. Uh, Dr. Pole. So one way to watch these kind of shows is to speculate as you watch with her as your guide. So what do, do you think that animal, do you think the surgery will be successful? Do you think that's the right home for that animal to go back to? As though she has an advanced level of wisdom about this that you respect a lot. Because this is a wonderful counterbalance to the insecurity that starts to come with puberty, where they're just comparing themselves all the time to their peers. And so she is your guide into the animal and veterinary kingdom. Which is true. She's probably our our most self-motivated learner. She will pick a subject that she enjoys and will learn all about it on her own. And I, I likely won't even know. And she'll just drop random knowledge on me about <laughs> animals. But look at that. Random knowledge animals. So yeah. <laughs> this is something she's bringing to the family that she's teaching you things you never knew you were going to know. Yeah. Right in your own home over a cup of tea in the evening with the little ones tucked in bed. Yeah. It has been sweet because I'm usually the one cuddling with her on the couch during the show. But and I for the record, I, I used to say that she lived in my armpit for the first three, four years of her life, like did not want to be away from me ever. And she'll cuddle with me on the couch while we're watching the show. But Mike is the one that puts her to bed every night. That's who oh. she wants for bedtime. So I've I've really enjoyed that shift. It's been oh, sweet. Oh, and what grace that you've enjoyed that shift instead of feeling rejected and abandoned. It's sweet. Mike's pretty unassuming in everything. So I like seeing their relationship. What's the ritual when you put her to bed, Mike? Reading and rereading the first four Harry Potters right now. So Yes. Y'all read them together first though. Yeah. So that was that was a bit of our ritual previous to this, as we would stay up and I've never read the Harry Potter books. So we've we've read through the first four together, just her and I, over the last couple of years. And then after that, yeah, it's just a hug and a kiss and don't stay up too late. Sort of thing. So this reading and rereading, you're entering and preserving a world that belongs to the two of you that you share. And she is claiming her space as the big one who knows about animals, can teach you about animals, has her cup of tea, settles in with her reading. I sort of, I don't know if she wears glasses. I'm sure she does. She does. She does. (laughs) I picture her with her glasses in her bed. And what a lovely sight that is for the last vision of child that you get at the end of the day, Mike. And as long as you can preserve that, it is such a really special way to cap your day. That's the end of our time for today. Thank you so much for joining in and for sharing your story. And I just, I'm rooting for those watercolors and I'm rooting for the little pilot Virginia to continue in her father's footsteps if she so chooses and for daily to at some point learn how to tell a joke properly. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. In therapy, the term doorknob confession has long referred to a bomb dropped just before a session ends either in a bid to extend the hour or more often because of what psychologists call approach avoidance. The patient wants to talk about a painful experience, a self-destructive habit, or suppressed longing, but is inhibited by embarrassment, hopelessness, or fear of the therapist's judgment. These days, the moms I work with easily disclose their guilt and impossibly high standards I should be doing more, better, have solved this by now, be dividing my time in perfectly equal parts among my children, each according to her needs. It reminds me of Karl Marx, 
but without the from each according to her ability. The moms believe they should be doing it all. Toward the end of sessions, strengths, resilience, and all sorts of personal and family delights slip out, presented as an aside or insignificant detail. For example, today we learned that the devoted and earnest Diane, who easily dubs herself head bitch in charge, has a nature journal, is a watercolor painter, and protects time to go to the gym three days a week. And that mom and dad and their eldest enjoy a most civilized, quiet, and exclusive tea time with Dr. Pohl, the TV veterinarian before bedtime. I dub these revelations the new doorknob confessions. Instead of hiding our perceived flaws, we hesitate to reveal our powers and pleasures. For the past year, the exploding head emoji has been a perfect symbol of a communal mental state. So much confusion, doubt, responsibility, and frustrated longing. Diane describes it as wishing to walk out the door and go sit by herself in a parking lot. Many of my patients express this impulse in nearly identical words. Fortunately for all of us, the weather is warming up just as pandemic restrictions are lifting. The Dutch offer a path out of overwhelm and anguish into a new emotional and spiritual landscape. Today's untranslatable word is otwayen. The literal meaning, blow out. The figurative, to take a break and walk away from the demands of life, to clear one's head. Samantha Dixon, writing for the online site Dutch Review, offers a poetic definition, to walk with the wind. She explains, it's one of the simplest Dutch activities. In fact, you've probably done it before without even realizing it. She recommends following a three-step guide to Oatwein for best results. One, walk outside. Two, feel the wind blowing against your hair, clothes, and body. Three, there is no step three. Simply feel the stress melt away off your body, the wind whisk away any troublesome thoughts, and be the best Dutch version of yourself you can be. Thank you for joining us on Nurture vs. Nurture today, and I look forward to being together with you again next week.